live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for president. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. we got a lot of ground to cover on today's program. We've got local stories. We've got state stories. We've got national stories. And then we have a couple of stories that are just flat-out strange. So stick around. We will cover all those in the course of the next three hours. First of all, we need to get in the mood. Now, I don't know whether you go to sleep at night. Maybe maybe you've got the TV on and you're listening. You like to fall asleep listening to the Hallmark Channel, or, or maybe you like to fall asleep uh, listening to Sports Center, or maybe you've got, I don't know, one of those things where it, it just kind of plays the soft sound of water or something like this. All right, how would you like going to sleep each night to this particular tune? Okay, enough. Enough. My wife likes to watch the Hallmark Channel at night. I'll take the Hallmark Channel over this. All right, now you might say to me, Jeff, why are we starting off the program with that annoying earworm? What did I ever do to you? Well, here's the deal. Down in Florida, West Palm Beach, Florida, they have, there's this, there's a public pavilion that you can rent for events. Um, think, think Discovery World, for example. You know, Discovery World has a tent that they put up and they've got a pavilion and they've got that area in the back that, you know, you can rent out for, for public events. There's a lot of others as well, as well. Well, down in West Palm Beach, Florida, which is kind of a hoity-toity community, they have one of these pavilions and they rent it out for events, things like that. And what they are finding is large numbers of homeless people are deciding that they're going to camp out on the pavilion. So what they're doing is they'll show up with sleeping bags or whatever, and they will just flop on this pavilion that, again, they they rent out for parties, and they will spend the night. So they will trespass. Well, the authorities in West Palm Beach, Florida, have been reluctant to have the cops just move in and clear them out. So they are trying to discourage them. And one of the ways, well, the way they are trying to discourage them right now is that song, Baby Shark, that we just played, they are playing it on a loop all night with the idea being if you play that song, it will discourage people. People won't want to slip asleep there. There is a second song that they are playing as well called Raining Tacos. That's what this song is. It's raining tacos from out of the sky. Tacos, no need to ask why. Just open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining tacos. Okay, I swear I do not make this up. So, in an effort to try to discourage 
homeless people from sleeping where they're not supposed to sleep on, on the patio of this pavilion and bringing all the problems that they cause, which is trash and stuff like that. Uh, they they play these songs on, on a loop. It's Baby Shark and Raining Tacos, with the idea being, you know, nobody's going to sleep or try to sleep or hang out in an area where those two songs are playing consistently. Well, this is getting a ton of attention. There's a woman I'm looking at in the story, the managing director of the National Coalition for the Homeless. She's saying, this is terrible. Playing music to disturb homeless people is dehumanizing. Um, there's many other places that have played music of some sort to drive folks out. It's awful that we have so little respect for the humanity of our homeless neighbors. When you hear things like songs being used, it's turning a blind eye to people who are part of our communities. Now, of course, locally, we have a huge problem in downtown Milwaukee. It's something that people don't want to talk about, and the media refuses to cover, but it's the growing tent city, you know, down under the freeway overpasses that's now starting to expand. Probably over a 100 tents, even homeless advocates, and we've talked about this, even homeless advocates are saying this is bad. You know, what we're doing is we are enabling this dangerous of behavior by giving people tents, by bringing food to them, like running delivery services, by bringing fresh clothes instead of requiring them to okay go into the shelter, maybe get some sort of help. So 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you have any problems with these authorities playing Baby Shark or raining tacos? And maybe the more relevant question is, how about the city of Milwaukee? Should we maybe have a sound truck parked there at Tent City blasting raining tacos and baby shark in an effort to discourage behavior that is just not constructive? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My take on this, look, what's dehumanizing is having people living on the streets. And if it's something that can discourage that and get people into shelters, I am all in favor of it. And I say bring those sound trucks out to downtown Milwaukee. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. Uh, authorities down in Florida have a problem with homeless people sleeping in this pavilion that people rent out, etc. So they're playing this song and this raining taco song in a loop to chase people away. Homeless advocates are saying, oh, this is dehumanizing. Now, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be Baby Shark, and we're getting a number of texts from people suggesting some of the other songs that they hate. Jeff, I'm fine with it being done in Milwaukee as long as it's not so loud the drivers can hear it through their windows. I would also add Hanson and the Easy Street song from The Walking Dead. Look, here, here's the, the more serious point about this. I, I don't find this to be dehumanizing at all. What is dehumanizing is letting people flop and enabling them to flop anywhere they want. That's why I think this tent city in Milwaukee is absolutely out of control. And I think the fact you've got some community groups, however well-intentioned they are, that are enabling this homelessness, they're not doing anybody any favors at all. 414-799-1620. Hal in Milwaukee. Hal, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Hi. Um, Hi. our office is two blocks or literally right across the street from the tent. Um, and as far as the music goes, I'm 
I, while I think it's maybe a tactic, I don't think it's necessarily a good one. That's just because that's because your office is two blocks away, right? You don't want to be hearing Baby Shark all day. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. And I, go to the, and I go to the coffee shop across the street from the tent city, so I really don't think anybody would really appreciate that. I think there's probably some other things we could do. I, I jokingly say we should turn it into a state park, and you only get to stay for two days. <laughs> okay, um, well, this is, a, but this is a. I mean, so you see this every day. I, I'm, I'm day. not just making this. This is a problem, and my sense, my understanding is, it's been growing and getting larger as uh, time's gone on. Every day it's bigger. Every day it, it's like Summerfest under the freeway. Um, and it's it. I find it sad that people are doing trying to do good. But in essence, all you're doing is encouraging homelessness as yep. opposed to finding a way to incorporate them into a shelter, uh, someplace else, right. some rehab, whatever the things. We all know they're there because they're having problems. I completely empathize and can sympathize with that. That said, I think this whole tent city is a scar on the city. No, I thanks for going. I, I I couldn't agree more. And 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 again, this is see, this is some of the failures of some of the the, the liberal feel good kumbaya policies. And I understand there's well intentioned people out there, and they're saying, well, okay, you know, if, if people are going to be on the streets, let's let's put them in the tents, let's give them the tents, let's let them be under the freeway overpass, let's bring them food, let's give them clothes. I, well, okay, you're not helping anybody. That's not a long-term solution. Okay, so now you don't have to go to the rescue mission. You don't have to stay in one of the shelters. And let's be honest, why is it that some of the people in the tent cities don't want to go to the shelters? Well, not all of them, but some of them, look, they've got drug problems, they've got mental health health issues, they don't want the rules. Hey, you come into the shelter, you can't use drugs. You come into the shelter, you, you can't drink. Well, I want to drink. I want to use drugs or, or whatever. You can't be violent. You can't miss behave but in the tent city on your own you you can we're not doing people favors and i kind of the, the whole baby shark thing is tongue-in-cheek but as far as dehumanizing no i'm sorry letting people flop wherever they want um letting them leave their waste behind that's that's what's dehumanizing dave in waukesha dave you're on wtmj good afternoon hey jeff how you doing good what do you think well first of all i think um they have no right being there right one and number two, I kind of like the music thing because if they just did a loop with uh, Kenny G and, and Cindy Lauper, I mean, that, you'd clear the whole thing out in a week. I mean, yeah. it would be done. Would yeah, be, yeah, yeah. Kenny G after about 30 seconds or a minute or two, yeah, that's, that's probably going to yeah. wear on you, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't care how you know, drugged up you are or whatever. You're, you're just out of there. All right. Yeah, two in the morning. Yeah, two in the morning. It may be a mixtape with Kenny G and Cindy somebody. Cindy doing Girls Want to Have Fun. Oh, oh right. And you mix it in with, like, Raining Tacos and Baby Shark. You're, you're right. I'm, 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 I'm standing in line to get into one of those shelters and get some help. No. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing is, is they have. The facilities are there, and the resources are there. You know, and, and I, you know, I agree with your, you know, uh, with you or your previous call or whatever. As far as you know, some just don't want to go there because of yeah. rules and things like that. But at some point, they have to assimilate with. You know, with right, well, right, because we we have this thing called winter that's going to be coming up, and yeah. you know, you, you need to get people, you, you need to get people used to finding a place to live, and all we're doing is enabling a temporary solution that that's not helping the, the, the it's not helping the people on the streets, and actually, I think is making it worse for a lot. You're not of them. doing them, you're not doing them a favor. I'm no, I agree. Clean clothes and and bringing food and, and things like that. You're not doing any. It's it's like. 
29-year-old living in his mom's <laughs> basement. You know, I mean, that type of thing. You're yeah, you're in, right, you're enabling the bad behavior. No, th- thanks for going. You're enabling the, the dangerous sort of behavior. Here's a text. Jeff, I want to be sympathetic to the homeless as well. However, if the streets are their home... Um, then that's what you see with the litter and all the things. I mean, that that's what they're worried about in Palm Beach. This particular location, it, it's a really nice pavilion on the water that they they rent out for events, and they make hundred the, the the community makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Okay, well, the the problem is they're concerned that people aren't going to rent this out if you've got like a homeless tent city. You you're looking for a place to have your wedding reception, and there's you know fifty homeless people that you're going to have to displace, or your guests are going to have to walk over to get in the building. And if that sounds elitist, I, I'm sorry, that's not what I mean. It's just the the homeless people don't belong there. Just like in the city of Milwaukee, the, the homeless people do not belong under the, the freeway. And and by allowing them to stay day after day, week after week, we're not doing them any favors at all. Period. number of people are suggesting different types of tunes that you could uh, play. Here's one. It's a small world after all. Boy, yeah, you go down to Disney World or Disneyland, and that's uh, after a little while you're done with that. Ram Jam Black Betty. It's like listening to a shovel repeatedly striking a rock. It would have uh, people trembling with fear. I, again, I, th- this this is a it's a kind of a temporary solution, but this idea that it's dehumanizing. I'm, I'm sorry, dehumanizing is just allowing people to flop wherever they want. Period. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right, I'm sorry to say this, but if it can't pay for itself, I think you have to shut it down. I'm talking about the announcement today that Wanakee Golf Course in Menominee Falls, it's one of three public golf courses run by Waukesha County. The announcement is today that they are going to be closing it down at the end of the year. Now, let me back into this for just a minute. If you're a golfer, you know this. There's all sorts. One of the great things in Wisconsin in general, and in southeastern Wisconsin in particular, is we are blessed with all sorts of different golfing opportunities. There are the private golf clubs, the country clubs that you can join. There are also a wide variety, a large number of golf courses that are privately owned but are open to the public and there's a ton of them around here and some are uh, of of what i would describe it some are difficult courses where the the downstroke to play them is 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 a lot of money i mean the public can play you know whistling straights at kohler the public can play back black wolf run the public can play the bog out in sockville or fire ridge at sockville there's a number of courses that are around there there are also a number of privately owned golf courses in the area where candidly that the downstroke the greens fees aren't that great they're not that large and it, it, it all kind of varies some are better taken care of than others some are more interesting than others some are more challenging than others but we've got a wide variety of privately owned golf courses that are open to the general public that you can play and many of them are very very affordable for the average golfers 
And then you have the public golf courses. And these are the golf courses that are owned and operated by the particular counties. In Milwaukee County, there's, I, I mean, I could go through the list. There, there's Dretzko on the northwest side. And there's Lincoln Park, you know, in Glendale. And there's um, uh, Brown Deer Park. And there, there's a number of golf courses throughout Milwaukee County. In Ozaki County, the two public courses, and I, I will tell you, I play at Hawthorne Hills in Sockville. I've been playing there for going on 30 years. That is an Ozaki County public course. There's Mequon. That's an Ozaki County public course. It's run by the county. And in Waukesha, they, they've got three. They've got Nagawaki, they've got Moore Downs, and they've got Wanakee. Wanakee, according to the stories, is ready to close. They're going to close at the end of the year. Here is the, the problem. In Waukesha County and in many of the counties, the golf courses are not supported by tax money. They have to be self-sufficient. So in other words, the the green fees and the cart rentals and the special event fees, the outings and the concessions, that they've got to pay for the operation of the course. Well, here's one of the realities. Play of golf is way down. It's down dramatically, and I've been noticing that over the last several years, at least at a lot of the public golf courses. I go to play with some friends at some of these public golf courses, and it used to be that you just you flat couldn't get on on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Now you pull up and the parking lot's three-quarters empty. Now, I don't know why exactly that is. Maybe golf starting to fall out of favor. Maybe it taking too much time. The fact that you've had a couple brutal springs which have discouraged play. All right, but it's all those factors. It's the reality. Well, anyhow, at, at Wanakee, what they say is for the le- it hasn't either made money or broken even in the last 10 years um the the losses have ranged from a minimum of 41 grand to a maximum of almost a quarter million dollars every year so they're hemorrhaging money they have had what they call reserve funds that have been available and they've been dipping into like dipping into their savings they've been dipping into the reserve funds to keep the thing operating on top of that they estimate that uh, the course needs you, you got to keep up you got to do infrastructure improvements you've got to do repairs you've got to do upgrades you, you just have to do that to attract golfers maybe it's like you got to replace the sand in the sand trap or you have to put in irrigation or whatever apparently um, they're estimating that at Wanakee, they, they need um, significant repairs to the tune of probably north of, of 650000 bucks. So here you have a county golf course. It's in Menominee Falls. It's been losing money for each one of the last 10 years because not enough people are playing it. It needs, I don't know, $650,000 of improvements, and there's no more reserve fund. So here's the reality. The only way this stays open is if the decision is made to take taxpayer dollars, divert it from something else, and put it into underwriting the cost of this golf course. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I have not – I played this course a couple times, but I swear probably not in 30 years. So um, I, I really – I don't – as a matter of fact, I just drove by it the other day. I, I don't have a vivid recollection of it. I don't know what shape the course is in. But it's apparent that not enough golfers are coming, and it's not just a one-year thing. Over the course of the last decade, it's not coming close to paying for itself.
So what do you do? Do we now take taxpayer dollars and try to keep this open, or do we say, sorry, um, but there's all sorts of other choices for golfers that are out there. Now, some people might have to drive a little bit farther, but, you know, the county can't be spending enormous amounts of money to try to improve and uh, maintain a, a failing golf operation. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, if this were just a one-year, two-year type of thing, I might have a different conclusion. But the reality is there's all sorts of opportunities for the public for golf, whether you're playing at a privately uh, another public facility or a privately owned facility that's open to the public. I, I think if these numbers are as bad as they appear to be, I think Waukesha has no choice but to shut it down, and I don't think they should be taking taxpayer dollars to sustain it. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Golfers of Waukesha County, golfers of the area, taxpayers of the area. What do you think? Let's start with Lisa in Mequon. Hi, Lisa. You're first. Hi. How are you today? Good. What do you think? Good. Thanks. For, I think absolutely not. I think that um, because of the 10 years history that you share from 41000 as a minimum loss or whatever, all the way up to a quarter X million, amount, yeah. I, I'd say no. I'm I'm so sorry, but you're going to have to go someplace else. That's that's my thought. There are way, there are far more important things uh, to divert to. Right, and there are other options that are around. It's not like this is the only golf course in Waukesha County or near to Waukesha County. So if you if you don't support this, that means that people aren't going to be able to play golf. That that's not the case. There's all sorts of there's two other publicly run golf courses in Waukesha County and a ton of others that are affordable that you could go to. Given all those choices, I just think it's indefensible to expect to spend taxpayer dollars to keep this golf course going. I am with you 100%. Yeah, no, th- thanks for calling. Now, again, if I, I might feel different. I understand that the public, that, look, taxpayers, there are things that operate for the public good, and the taxpayers support things that don't necessarily always pay for themselves. All right? I, I mean, right, you know, we, we have public parks. We use tax dollars to support public parks because it's in the public good. But this is, it's a golf course, and I'm a golfer. I love golf. I just don't think there's any way you can justify, given all the other golfing options that are there, saying, okay, we're going to look to the taxpayers of Waukesha County to you know, support this failing golf course. And, and candidly, if I thought this was a one- or two-year different thing, the things were going to turn around. But I will tell you what I am seeing in the golf, in the golf world – Baby boomers are playing. I don't I don't think you see as many young people playing for whatever reasons. Maybe it's the time. Maybe they're busy. But, I mean, right now I think rounds of golf are down in general. And I think this is – I actually, I think this is going to be a discussion that's going to be had at a, and a lot of other places as well. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Do you let the golf course go under? My answer is I'm sorry. But, but yeah, and you know what? Golfers in Waukesha County will be fine. 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. George sends me a text. Jeff, I've got the solution to the problems at Wanakee. Just have Tom Barrett extend the hop there. If people could ride the streetcar, they would be going. And let's go ahead. 
Thanks for poking the bear, George. 414-799-1620. I take no pride in saying this, but it's been losing money for 10 years. It needs, you know, $650,000 in improvements. There's all sorts of other golf courses around. You just got to close it, including two other public golf courses in Waukesha County that could pick up the, the slack of the play if people didn't want to go to all the other private golf courses they have in the area that are open to the public. Steve in Menominee Falls. Steve, you're neck of the woods. Hello. Steve. Steve, Steve, Steve. Okay. Jim in Cedarburg. Jim, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How Hi, are Jim. you? Good. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think, Jeff, you know, just like yourself, I'm a baby boomer and I um Grew up playing golf in Sheboygan County, which has become the hotbed of golf for quite some time. And back then, it was really cheap to play golf. I mean, first four holes at Black Wolf were free. It wasn't Black Wolf at the time. So it generated interest among the young. What about Wanakee, though? That's your question. You know, it's in a location where after Silver Spring added a third nine, just became not as useful of a course. Right. Too much competition in the area, you know, and sport of golf has simply become too cost prohibitive to even teach kids to play anymore. Yeah, and, and, and I think I think too time consuming. There's lots of people that just exactly. don't don't want to commit five or six hours to you know driving out and then playing golf and having that day at the golf course. It, it's a pro. It's an industry wide problem. Myself included. I used to love playing eighteen, but I just can't justify it anymore. Especially people with kids. I don't get it. Right or. or Right, or, or people with, with jobs. My, my wife is playing much more golf now because she just retired. But, you know, it's, it's like, well, she's saying, you, you, you need to play more golf. And I said, that's great, honey, but I've got this thing called this job, you know, that it's tough to get away from. And I got great hours. She's, she's my sister-in-law, by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, you know, it, it's, but again, it's one of those, those deals. No, thanks for the call. I mean, it's just, look, I, I, I the, the truth of the matter is, well, here's it, Jeff, let it die. Too many other nice golf courses around the area. I'm a big advocate for people who golf a lot to join private clubs anyways. Much better experience and value versus public options. Well, not everybody can afford to, to join private clubs, and I'm not urging that. And if the only choice that was around was, well, you know, you got one public golf course, and you, the only other choice is to drop whatever the downstroke is to join some private club, I, I might feel differently. But that's not what the world is. I mean, around here, we have a ton of privately owned golf courses that are open to the public, and they're they're very competitively priced, depending, again, on, on the nature of what that course is. You could make an argument, in theory, you could make an argument in theory that, that maybe that the counties shouldn't even be running public golf courses and spending money to compete with you know private operators who are doing the same thing. Now, I'm not prepared to reach that point right now, and I don't think we're at it. But in the situation with uh, Waukesha County, and I mean, I don't know. I don't get the sense necessarily that there's going to be a lot of outrage over this. If you've got to play a public golf course after Wanakee closes, well, okay, you, you go to Nagawaki or you go over to Moore Downs or you, you find some other similarly situated place and so what do you do with the space okay that's the next thing do you sell it off or do you turn it into parklands and things like that i I have to think that through a little bit more but i don't know if you have a developer that wants the space and you can take that money and i know some people say you never sell off public uh, parkland i'm not one of those guys but bottom line is you can't throw good money after bad it had a great run Wanakee was a great golf course that lots of people played and had fun at, but those days are now over. 
you got to move on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstead, you realize that years and years after you and I are gone from here, some distant time in the future, our voices are still going to be popping up on, on stuff. It's it's always amazing. I listen to the radio station. And I hear some ad or something done. It's the voice of somebody that hasn't worked here for 10 or 12 years. But it's still, I, I was thinking about that because, okay, our, our former program director who hasn't hasn't been here since November of last year, mm-hmm. okay, well, he, they, they used to have these things where they, they have these like regularly scheduled meetings, and I wasn't very good at going to them. But there were these regularly scheduled meetings, like once a week, it was supposed to be at this particular time. Sure, yeah. And you get these reminders, like on your email. Yes, I am yes. still, you know what, I'm still getting these reminders. You, you, you have a meeting in Eric's office this afternoon. No, Eric's office is in San Francisco. <laughs> you know, I wondered about that, too, and I've tried to turn those off before, I, and I can't it's, figure it's like, it out. It's like they're forever, you know? It's like, okay, I'm, so I'm getting these reminders that, hey, you know, you have to be somewhere. Okay, Eric's office three o'clock no (laughs) but i mean it's kind of like dismiss and you're doing it okay all right do you know have you heard of the mai tai guy i I heard you talking about it okay but all right so all right so the the all right this is my lead into this topic eight words hey buddy let the kid have the ball okay (laughs) but 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 here here's the deal because i mean i know you're a brewers fan too but you like the cubs right yeah well they're fine i don't i don't hate them like everyone else okay i got okay so all right there's this guy he call he calls himself the Mai Tai guy. His real name is Christopher Sorley. Okay, and he's sort of a semi-employed handyman in Chicago who does like roofing and insulation and yeah. odd jobs. But he doesn't like to work all the time because he wants to keep his schedule flexible so he can go hang out at Wrigley Field. Sure, okay. Now, he calls himself the Mai Tai guy. And, and gals, if he's single, he might be a catch. <laughs> he, he, he shows up with a Cubs jersey that says, my tie guy, on the back, mm. and the number zero. All right? Now, you might wonder why he calls himself the my tie guy. Well, he says he's been going to the game since he was old enough to drink. <laughs> and what he figured out was that the beer is only 5% alcohol, but the Mai Tais are 12% alcohol, ah. and the Mai Tais only cost a, cup, a buck more. So, I mean, he, he's doing the math. Okay, yeah, that you makes know, sense, So you, let's go for it. So in other words, you know, you can get buzzed faster sure, yeah. and cheaper. It's If your it's purpose investment. is to go there and get liquored up, it's better to drink Mai Tais yeah. than it is to drink beer. Now, he's proud of this. I mean, this is the thing. He's, see, that's not, it's not just that you're making this calculation. I get it. Okay. But, but it's, you're proud of it. You know, so I'm the Mai Tai guy. Okay. So this guy's this middle-aged character. Now, if you want to see, you want to see the, the video of this, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. So the other night, Cubs were playing the Cincinnati Reds. It's tied three to three, bottom of the ninth inning, and Kyle Schwarber hits a, a home run into the left field bleachers. Now, the way Wrigley Field works is you've got the wall and then between the wall and the bleachers there's this basket that that comes down keeps fans from falling keeps fans from field. falling onto the yeah. field right if the ball goes into the basket it's a home run yep. so and it, it's so okay so what's going on going on there is there's a couple small kids 
who are sitting in the front row of the bleachers. The home run ball goes into the basket. Now, this is a game winning. It's a walk-off home run, bottom of the ninth inning. The kids, and you can see this on the video, they're starting to reach in to get the ball because it's landed right in front of them. All of a sudden, this big fat guy wearing this Mai Tai thing (laughs) comes running down like a bat out of you-know-where, jumps headlong in, and grabs the ball away from the kids, runs back, ball over his head, waving and shouting, hey, I got it, and goes running up and down. The kids are like, what just happened? Yeah. You know, Okay, so this has created a huge controversy. We're going to open up the phone lines in just a minute. But all right, let me, let me ask you. All right, my take on this is, you know, hey, hey, buddy, let the kids have the ball. What do you think? I agree with you there, although, so Doug Russell's anti, he says if you get what a ball. Russell know? Well, no, but no, yeah. no, the reason I bring that up is because he actually posed this very question to me, because I said, if I get a foul ball, I'm going to give it to a kid. I don't, I don't need that ball. And he said, well, what if it's a game winner? Yeah. And I was like, hmm. Right. <laughs> so but I just think about it now, a Now, bit. of course, in this but, case, too, in fair, it also, it, 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 the kids were in the front row. So this guy, this guy goes running down the stands to jump in front of the kids. It's not like, it's not like it it came at him. He went racing like a bat out of you know where to get this, wearing the my type. Gotta give it to the kids. Although if they were dudes, if it was just two guys, I'd take it from him. Well, yeah, but it's not. It's It's it's, kids. It's kids. And it was a game winning home run. His defense is, well, you know what you get when you come to the ball game, and you know if this was batting practice, I would have let him have the have the ball. But his defense was, this is a game winner. All right, four one four, and you can see the video at Jeff Wagner six twenty four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Self proclaimed my tie guy because you get more booze for an extra buck than if you're just buying beer. He hangs out in the left field bleachers. The other night, he races down and grabs the ball away from these two kids. I mean, and in fairness, they're they're reaching into the basket, and they would have gotten the ball were it. But I mean, it's not like he pulled it out of their hands. They're in the process of reaching down. He comes running down and grabs it first. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know about unwritten rules in baseball and stuff. I'm just thinking, in all honesty. What sort of person does that? And I guess that that that's just kind of my reaction. What sort of person is proud of taking a home run? I know it's a home run ball, but what are you going to do with it? I mean, it's not like it's a three thousand hit ball that you're going to sell. What what are you going to do with the thing in the first place? All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And once again, we've got a video of my tie guy up at uh, my Twitter account at Jeff Wagner 620, as well as the video everybody's talking about, about President Trump and Jeffrey Epstein together in 1992. Right now, okay, the guy takes the ball away from the kids. What do you think? Kalissa in Manitowoc, you're on WTMJ. Hey, it's Kalise, yeah. Kalise, hi, Kalise. Um, hi, yeah, I'm a 57-year-old woman, and I've chased WNBA players for their autographs. I've chased Mike Ditka for his autograph. I think he shouldn't have ran down, but if it's in his vicinity, I think it's fair game. I mean, we're all kids at heart. I'm just thrilled about my cards that are autographed and everything else. It's it's a thrill. Well, okay, but but you're, all right, you're, you're not, let, let's say you've got Mike Ditka that's there, you're not going to push over three eight-year-olds to get to him so he can sign your card, are you? 
No, I would never do that, but I just think if you're in the vicinity and it comes to you, yeah, I don't think you should have ran down the okay, steps right. after and, the and, ball. And see, yeah, I mean, it's a vicinity fair game. Okay, well, thanks for and but this, if you look at the video, this isn't in the vicinity. Yeah, I, I understand if he's in like the fifth, sixth, seventh row of the bleachers, he, he's up there. You can't you can't tell from the video exactly where he starts. You can just see that as the ball is hit to left field he is anticipating that's going to be a home run so he goes racing down and you know ends up again he he gets there he gets there as the ball kind of arrives the kids are reaching down he's bigger he reaches down so he's able to get it first i who does something like that i mean seriously who does something like that 4147991620 do you really want your mom seeing you do something like this um let's talk to Robert in Port Washington. Robert, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Robert. Hi there. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I grew up uh, playing baseball, and so I have a, you know, a, it has a special place in my heart. And uh, I mean, I, I get where that guy's coming from. That's a game winner right there. I mean, it has sentimental value to it. And I know it's really selfish to say it, but I mean, if I was in this situation, I would have done the same thing. Um, yeah, it's just the game winner. I mean, okay. So what are you going to do with it? Crazy. I mean, so what are you going to? It's it's oh. right. It's it's a game winning home run. So what what are you ultimate? It's it's not like it's a game. You're not sending the ball to Cooperstown. It's not the game no. that won the National League thing. It it's a home run that won the game. So what are you going to do with the ball? I mean, honestly, for me, I would just keep it. Uh, you hmm. know, just put it up on my mantle or wherever and. I mean, if it comes to a time where I would sell it or, you know, give it to someone, I mean, I guess I can see that happening. Okay, but to get it, you you got you to gotta race down five flights of, of bleachers, and you've got to take it out, take it away from two little kids. I guess that's, I mean, I understand maybe why somebody would want it, but is it the right thing to do to go to all those extremes to get it? Oh, definitely not, but, I mean, there are some people that can justify for Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not okay, but... Okay, well, I guess, that, people, I guess that's... I mean, thanks. I guess that's my only point. I mean, look, I understand there's people who collect who collect these things, but it, it's not It's not like it's a first home run. It's not like it's Robin Young's 3,000th hit. It's not like it's, you know... Again, it's not like it's the ball that won the World Series or anything like it, but still, I understand why it's cool to have it. I'm, I'm not necessarily disputing that. I'm just thinking you've got a grown man who decides that he's he's proud of himself for outracing um and again the ball was hit to the kids i mean it's the, the ball was hit to the kids they were in the front row they're just reaching down he just obviously you know knew what was going to happen so he goes running down to grab it out of the basket i'm just i'm sorry i just think the guy's a jerk i i just I, that's I would never do that. I don't think most people would do that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Mark in Sheboygan. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Mark. Um, I think that what, if the, what the Cubs could do was see if they could identify the kids and you know, invite them back, down, back out to the park. You'd give them each a ball, time. yeah. Pardon? Give him each a ball or something yeah, like that. Give him each a ball. Have him, maybe the guy hit the home run could sign the ball for him. Maybe you can get him down in the field. Yeah. And uh, I think that would be kind of cool. Maybe even show the, show the guy jumping over the top of him. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's really a kid's game. Well, that I mean, like, it, it, it is to me. And, again, I, look, I, I, if you catch a foul ball, 
I don't think you have an obligation to turn and give it to a kid, although I think that's probably what I would do unless it was some really special ball. But at the same time, there's no way in the world that I'm going to I'm going to be on TV wrestling with some eight year old over a ball. It's just not going to happen. Well, thank you for the the time. Thanks for the perspective. I appreciate it. Let's talk to Carol on the northwest side. Carol, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon. Hi, Carol. My comment was, I can't believe there's so many supposedly full-grown adults acting like spoiled five-year-olds. I mean, he's, wearing a t- he, he's wearing a T-shirt, Carol, that says "My tie Guy." He's proud oh, of the I fact suppose. that he's proud of the fact that he's figured out that you can get drunker, faster, and cheaper on my ties than beer. This is the guy. <laughs> I guess, but <laughs> you, you would have given the ball. You, you would not. At least you would not have wrestled the kids for the ball. Not in a million years, but. Yeah. That's just me, I guess. Yeah, no, thanks. Well, no, it's it's not just you. It's it, it's me as well. Let's see here. Let's go. I'm behind the text. Jeff, if it fell right in my glove and I saw a child that wanted it, I would give it to the child. Yeah, I see. I think that's, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's what I would do, too. I mean, it is, at the end of the day, it's a kid's game. Um, Jeff, the only way I ever expect to get a ball at a ball game is if it directly comes to my seat and I catch it. Otherwise, you should leave the balls to the children. I mean, I'll give you another example of that. You go to Fiserv Forum and they do the t-shirt drops, you know, th- those things. Rather, they like, shoot them out from the gun or sometimes, you know, they drop the t-shirts down from the ceiling. There have been one or two occasions where, particularly the t-shirt drop, you know, it, it's come right down and I've caught it. Okay, well, what have I turned around and done? I give it. I find some kid and I give the kid the T-shirt. Most of the times, they, they wouldn't fit me anyways. But it's a cheap T-shirt. Give it to the kid so the kid gets a souvenir and has a good experience. I've got more T-shirts than I need, you know, in life. Um, let's see, Jeff. You forgot that you're talking about Cubs fans. You need to lower the bar significantly. Ow. Ow, ow. Jeff, the question should be, who would do this and who is proud of their behavior? No, I'll tell you who would do this and who is proud of their behavior. A guy who goes to the games wearing something that says, my tie guy, because he's figured out, again, you you get, you get more alcohol per dollar um, from my ties than you do from beer. Huh. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Again, if you want to see it, got the video. It's um, at, uh, if you follow me, it's uh, at Jeff Wagner 620. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes, another video that I sent out. Is it fake news? Is it a story? We will discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. So, Brew, you ready to party like it was 1992? No, you were two years old at the time. All right, no partying there. Melissa Barkley, she would have been 13 years old in 1992. She shouldn't be at this particular party. Okay, no question about that. Now, me, that's a different story. All right, think back for a minute. If you are of a certain age, 1992, and it's kind of, I, I don't know, the disco era is kind of winding down, I, I guess. But, I mean, all right, imagine yourself in 1992 and, and, and think back. All right, think back to some of the parties and things like that that you might have gone to. I bring this up because if the media wants to complain about, you know, fake news and, and being accused of producing fake news, my answer is they should stop promulgating fake news. Now, here, here's the story. And again, if you want to see, the video. I've got a link to it. It's um, at Jeff on my Twitter account. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. All right. Here, here's the deal. President Trump 
1992, he was 46 years old. He's divorced from his first wife and not married yet to his second wife. So he is a bachelor. All right, President Trump, I think, has made no secret over the years of the fact that he was a womanizer. All right, that that's just the nature of it. And so he's this, okay, in 1992, he's this hotshot, high-flying, New York real estate developer, businessman who's trying to develop a national profile. This is before the Celebrity Apprentice and The Apprentice and all those things. Okay, Jeffrey Epstein who is now the the ultimate boogeyman, right? Jeffrey Epstein is the guy who's under indictment for messing around with children in New York in 2002 and 2003 and 2004 um, after all the controversy. And in like 2007 or something, he was charged with messing around with kids in Florida. Um, Okay, Jeffrey Epstein. 1992, he is also a New York developer, financier, etc. He and Trump run in the same rarefied circles, all right? They knew each other. Trump has said all along, since Jeffrey Epstein, who's beloved of Bill Clinton, beloved of Hollywood, etc., etc., but now he's a pariah because he's also a predator, all right? Trump has always said, yeah, we, we knew each other, you know, back in the day, and we had a falling out a number of years ago, and I really don't like the guy. Okay? All right, that's the background of this. So NBC News finds this old videotape of a thing that they were doing on Trump back in 1992, and this is now picked up by the New York Times and the Washington Post, and this is the latest thing. And in in this video, if you haven't seen it, what happens is it's a profile of the lifestyle of the newly divorced Donald Trump. Now, keep in mind, this is back the lifestyles of the rich and famous. And so what happens is, 1992, there's a party at, I think, the Trump Resort in Mar-a-Lago. And Trump is there, and Jeffrey Epstein is there. This is 1992, and there's all these beautiful women around. There's cheerleaders, for, apparently some of the cheerleaders for the Buffalo Bills, they're in town. And if you watch the video... You can see Trump kind of dancing, as I was saying earlier. He's doing that that overbite that guys of a certain age all all do when you know, kind of put your upper teeth and kind of bite down over your lower lip. You know, he's kind of dancing. His music blares, and there's one thing where you can see him. He's putting his arm around one of the the gals, and there's a point where he pats another one on the rear end or something like that. And and he's He's talking back and forth. He's greeting Epstein, and he's talking, you know, to Epstein. And there's at one point in time, it appears like they're you can't hear any audio, but they're they're looking at you know they're looking at women. And Trump says, "Look at her back there. She's hot." Okay, all right. That so it's this video of these two people at this party in 1992. Right. This is now getting national attention. Here's the headline in the Washington Post. Video shows Trump partying with Jeffrey Epstein at Mar-a-Lago in 1992. Another story in the Washington Post. Behind the scenes, the night Trump partied at Mar-a-Lago with Jeffrey Epstein and NFL cheerleaders. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand, and I've said this before, that there's a lot of stuff that President Trump does that is legitimately off-putting. You know, we're going to be talking about the, the latest flap of the crowd saying send her back in just a little bit. But but here you have 
this mainstream media news outlet that has unearthed a video of Jeffrey Epstein, now disgraced, but back at the time, you know, he was just coming off, I mean, he, he was a friend of Bill, you know, at, at, at this time, buddy of Bill Clinton. So the video shows Trump and Epstein laughing together and looking at women at a party in 1992. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry, I think this is the definition of fake news. What is the point of this? Is the point to show that the two of them hung out together in the 80s or 90s? Okay. Is that an issue? I don't think so. Uh, Is the point to show that, well, Donald Trump, you know, was kind of, I don't know, a little bit boorish when it came to women? Although my guess is, can I see a show of hands? You know, everybody, you know, at parties in 1992, you know, do you really want to be judged if you were, like, looking at attractive women, if you were at some disco or something like that? I mean, I'm sorry. This There's all sorts of legitimate stuff that you can criticize Donald Trump for. And I've been the first one to say that in in relationships between men and women, on many occasions, you could describe him as being a pig. I, I, I accept that. But then I see stuff like this. And I think, really? I mean, th- this this is now news. What is the point of, of airing something like this? Is it to say that, well, Donald Trump must have known that Jeffrey Epstein was a, sex, was a sexual predator? Okay, this is 1992. This is way before everything else happens. 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, but I think when the media does stuff like this, it just really minimizes it, and it makes it harder and harder to defend against allegations of, hey, that's fake news. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If the people in the mainstream media don't like being accused of running fake news, my solution is simple. Don't run fake news. Let's start with Bob in Waukesha. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, well, uh, I have to preface what I'm going to say by telling you that I have uh, terminal cancerous Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You, you've probably never heard of that before. Uh, but I, this is clearly uh, a nothing burger. Uh, be, be, well, because why? I mean, doesn't doesn't this show that he's of terrible character or that he's he's got to be a sexual predator himself because he's hanging out with a sexual predator? Uh, you're testing the waters, Jeff. <laughs> I, 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 I can't remember what I did in 1992. Uh, right. I'm sure. I'm sure I wouldn't been pro- have been proud of some of the things that I did, but this is just right. You're, you're you're sitting back there thinking. I mean, I don't know, Bob, if you were old enough for like the disco days or something, but you're kind of thinking about one of these days where you're you're kind of hanging out at some disco with some of your buddies or something, and you see some pretty girl walk by, or you're with some pretty girls or something, and maybe you patted a butt. You know, maybe you looked at somebody and said, "Oh, she's really good looking." You're not proud of it, but you did it, right? Uh, I may have done that. I'm not stopping <laughs> out to anything. Fair enough. Okay, you're taking the fifth. No, thanks for calling. And see, and I guess that's that's my point. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What is the point of running a story like this? But see, because it's Donald Trump, nobody asks that that question. It's let's just run something like this and let's try to embarrass him. Okay, so what's the point of what is the news value of this? 
Is it that, well, did, did, did Trump and, and Epstein know each other? Well, that, that's not an issue. They, they, they've known they came up. They came up through the New York financial slash business world. OK, they they were both kind of these playboys at the time. So that that's that's not news. Trump says, yeah, we knew each other. We had a falling out about 15 years ago. I really don't like the guy. Oh, OK, so they were together and they were chummy at a party in 1992 Tell me how that is relevant to anything. 414-799-1620. Bill says, Jeff, it was 27 years ago. No wonder why everyone hates the media. They have to dig up stuff from almost three decades ago. And the point is, which is kind of my point, too, what is the purpose of running this story other than, hey, you know, we can try to link Trump to this guy who's now this accused child molester or what, whatever, And, and Look, is, I'm not defending Jeffrey Epstein, but, you know, all right, should we ask questions? Are we running the films of Jeffrey Epstein hanging out with Bill Clinton? What about George Stephanopoulos? You know, Epstein's at a party with George Stephanopoulos. I mean, we're... It just it, what what is the point of this? Uh, Stephen Greenfield text. According to the media, the entire Trump presidency has been a dumpster fire. The media will dig up any dirt they possibly can to smear him, rather than focusing on any accomplishments he and the administration have made. Whatever happened to real news reporting both sides of the story? Yeah, that's see that's that's my that, that's my point. Um, I, again, it's nineteen ninety two. All right, here's a text. What does it matter about the point? It's information. Huh. Okay. That's an that's a text. That that's an interesting standard. Okay, it doesn't have to have a point. Here here it's 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 information. Well no, why there, there's all sorts of information that's out there that you don't that you don't run unless there is some news value to it. I mean that that's the discretion. See, that's what happens in the media. You you look and you know the news and say, okay, what what is news? There's all sorts of events that go on on a daily basis, you know, around here. But you know, not everything is news, and not everything is the subject of big exposed exposés on NBC and breathless stories in the New York Times and in the Washington Post. No, there there has to be. There's always a point to something. So what's the point to this story? That okay. They knew each other in 1992 and that they were at a party together. Huh. Um, oh, okay. And then somebody says again correctly, what about Bill Clinton and his relationship with Epstein? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, my guess is NBC probably has some file footage of Epstein and Bill Clinton together. And, and, and would you run it? No, because it, it's really, again, it's, it's not relevant. It's not news. It's fake news. And and look, there, there's there's so much stuff. This is what's so I think frustrating for some of us is there's so much legitimate stuff that President Trump does that I think could legitimately subject him to criticism. That the problem is the mainstream media, when you decide to focus on things like this, they assume that you are stupid. They assume that you are too dumb to understand that there, there's really no there there. And in this case, it's just the absolute hatred for Trump, which drives some of these stories. And I guess that's what I would this is what I would launch into. And again, I, I only bring this up because sometimes I think these things are just they're just fundamentally unfair. And I'm trying to sit back and think, OK, 1992. I mean, I, I was, was how old and and OK, so imagine I was married at the time, but imagine. Okay, you're 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 single, 
and in this case, Trump was divorced, and you're at a party, and there's pretty girls, and you're there with one of your friends or a guy that you know, an acquaintance that you know, who 15 years later gets in trouble. All right. Okay, so that's that, what does that say about me? Hmm. You can decide. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Today is the first day of the British Open. Matter of fact, because of the time difference, coverage, the first golfers teed off at like 12.30 a.m. this morning. And I, I watched a little bit of it till my lovely wife said, go to sleep. <laughs> you know, and, and go, go to sleep. Why are you watching golf at 1 o'clock in the morning? I have always actually I've always thought it'd be cool to go to the British Open. This is on my on my bucket list. I have a, a very good friend of mine who a few years ago they were they, they were in England when the British and he took a they were in London and he I forget where it was, but he took a train up and you know got there early in the morning and spent like ten or eleven hours at the British Open the first day. You know, big deal. And I I'd always like to to do that. That's kinda on my list. I'm always fascinated by this. Tiger Woods, as Greg was just mentioning, um it it's okay. Tiger Woods is six over par. Now, for me, I'm six over par after two or three holes, mind you. Um, he's six over par through 17, and that's not good. Uh, it is tied for 140th, and there are there's 156 players playing. So he's pretty much at the bottom of of the list, and uh, the leader is six under five under par let's see that da, 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 da. the leader is five under par so he's 11 shots back but but there's 140 people between him and and the lead so it doesn't look like uh this is going to be the second major of the year for tiger woods but still british opens lots of fun and a lot of enjoyable watching and i know i'll probably be doing that again late tonight all right Gru, who's producing the show today and always you're relatively new to the area but are you familiar with the uh the great tv auction did you ever watch that on channel 10 pbs no i didn't Okay, so the, uh, well, you're in the case with with a lot of people. The for for years and years and years and years, one of the the big fundraisers that Milwaukee PBS, which is Channel Ten and Channel Thirty Six, plus now they've got a YouTube channel and they've got you know some some digital channels. But but back then it was Ten and Thirty Six for years and years and years. Their their big fundraiser was this great. TV auction, and what would happen is they, they spent it was like a week, and and what would happen is uh, area businesses would would donate stuff, and then they they'd auction the stuff off, and you'd have different personalities. I did this one year. One year I was one of the guys that was there saying, okay, if we go over to you know the seaboard here, you've got uh, we we've got eight different things. I did it one year and. And first of all, I, I have the deep, I, I'm a big fan of PBS, by the way. I think they, they do a great job. And in particular, I'm a fan of Milwaukee PBS. I, I also, I, I really, I, I love the volunteers. I mean, the, the people that worked really, really hard on this. But I, I did it one year and swore I would never do it again because at least the year I did it. I don't know if this changed, but you know, you're, you're on live television and, and you're reading stuff. Oh, here's, here's the, uh, this is donated by, you know, Marsha Schmidt. And it's, you know, two folding chairs or whatever. Well, what happened is they, they would put them on like note cards and, and they would be handwritten what this stuff was. So you're on live TV and somebody has like handwritten this note card and you're, you're trying to make it look like you know what you're doing. And you, you'd look at some of these people and you're thinking, what, 
what 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 exactly is this? So it, it, I, I did it once and said that that's great, but I'm glad I had the experience of doing it. In any event, despite I mean, after more than fifty years, and the the great TV auction is it's an institution. I would always I would always find myself watching it a little bit, but what happened over the years. And I, I don't mean this to be offensive to anybody, including the people that organize this and all. My sense was it became like a giant flea market. <laughs> you know, that, that I mean, I, I sort of remember as a kid, and maybe this is just me being a kid, I, I seem to remember they had a lot of good stuff that you'd want to, to bid on. And over time, it was more and more, I, I don't know, I'm not saying they didn't have appealing items, but more and more just kind of, huh. It, this this is kind of junky, and you know I, I can order this over the internet, or more likely I can go over to Walmart and buy this stuff on discount. I, I think they had a lot of trouble. It, it was a lot of work to do to organize it. You got to go out, you got to get the donations, you got to get all the volunteers. It's a lot of work to put on, and the, the the stuff they had. My general experience, my general sense in general was, it it, it wasn't that great. It wasn't great stuff that made you want to watch it. Nevertheless, it was kind of interesting TV, and there was kind of the sameness to it. And on top of that, I'm sure it cost a lot of money to to do. So um, th- this week, they, they announced that um, the, the last one they did, which was last May, was the last one that they were going to do. And I guess I hadn't realized this, but what they're saying is one of the reasons they canceled it is that – you know, they were losing money. For example, the, the auction for last year ended up losing $87,000. Um, the previous year, it lost like $35,000. The last time there was a net surplus was um, a couple years ago when, when it made a quarter million bucks. But they were looking at these numbers and they saying we're, we're losing all this money. And so, you know, people have moved on. Times have changed. We're trying to do this as a fundraiser, and you're not going to do fundraisers where you end up losing 80 grand. I, I wanted to spend one segment on this because it, it was, it was such a part of this community and such a big deal. And I can remember, like I say, as a kid, it was like, oh, you'd see this stuff, and hey, the the PBS, the great, the great auction is coming, and you'd kind of watch it, and it, it sort of fell out of favor. And this isn't a knock on PBS, and it's not an, a Milwaukee PBS, and it's not a knock on the volunteers. Things come, things go. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You going to miss the great TV auction, or was it time to just simply say, great things come and then everything runs their course? I guess that's kind of how I feel about the TV auction. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But if, like me, you grew up in Milwaukee, you certainly know what I'm talking about. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Yeah, and look, this isn't a knock on PBS or the great TV auction. It was a huge part of this community for 50 years. If you're just tuning in, uh, PBS has announced they're, they're discontinuing it. The one that they had in May was the last one. They've lost money the last couple years. We're talking about, are you going to miss it? You know, what what happened? I just think it kind of, um, it just became dated, And uh, period. Let's start with Terry in Waukesha. Terry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Terry. Yeah, as, as I was talking uh, to your screener, I knew Art Langless per, uh, personal. He was a very good friend of mine. Right. 
and he passed away seven years ago. Um, but before that, he was the chairman of the TV auction. And before he was chairman, he worked for Channel 1036. And he ran that thing uh, like bread and butter goes together. Right. And ever since he passed away, upper management changed. They sold their studio out in Brookfield and moved everything back downtown. And the last couple of years, when I bought something, I had to go downtown to pick it up. Right. I, said, I don't want to go downtown and pick it up. Brookfield is so such a convenient uh, location, right. and people are afraid to go downtown. I'll be honest with you. You know, mm-hmm. at nighttime. Yeah, so it just it just it just kind of changed. Yeah, and and plus, I mean, the truth is, thing. I mean, things things evolve. Um, you know, now you've got the internet. Now you've got all this other stuff, and you know, they do a lot of fundraising things. But you you for all the effort they had to put into it, if you're losing if you're losing eighty thousand dollars, you know, and and putting all that effort into it, I understand why they shut it down. I agree. And uh, years ago, they used to have some wonderful products. I, I'd spend a couple hundred dollars, you know, two, three hundred dollars yeah. on the auction. Yeah. Uh, the last couple of years, uh, twenty, twenty-five bucks. And yeah. That was for those uh, mucklucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, again, th- again, I don't mean, I don't mean to be harsh, but I did use the. Fr- I mean, a lot of the stuff, and maybe just my memories. Like I said, as a kid, are there was cooler things, but the, the times I would watch it over the last few years, it looked like a glorified flea market. And I and I know there might have been some good stuff up there, but it's like, oh, okay, really. Let's talk to Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I just wanted to say myself, Jeff, that uh, I myself had bought uh, quite a few art prints from notable artists throughout Wisconsin, and uh, they were really neat. Um, at one time, they were getting a better price for them, and it was you know they were probably making quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, I don't know if you watched it this year. Uh, some of the prices they were getting for some of the stuff was ridiculous. And so the amount of stuff they sold that was really good, they weren't really getting a lot for it. Right. Some of the other stuff, they were just about giving it away anyway. So I can see where they probably weren't generating enough revenue out of it. Well, yeah, especially given all the work that you have to do, finding all these volunteers yeah. and getting all the donations and getting the yeah. whole thing organized. No, it's, I know, thanks. I mean, I see, I lumped the great TV auction into things like the circus parade. And if you, if you've been around here for a long time, you know what I'm talking about with the circus parade. I mean, the circus parade used to be, uh, what was it? It was last weekend, I think, historically. And it was just a really, really big deal. And it was a huge deal for several years. And then people stopped coming. And then more people stopped coming. And it just, it outlived its usefulness, which isn't to say that it wasn't a great attraction. I think the same thing is true with uh, the, this, this, Mark in Milwaukee. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, hey, Mark. Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things about the auction, and I've, I've taught other people who um, used to like the auction have said that, um, I think it was the progressive depersonalization of it. You know, when I, I was a TV student at um, Channel 10 in, in 1975 and 1976, and I worked there for a couple of years, and it was so, it was, it bordered on corny sometimes, and it was live TV, and you had students doing the, the right. camera work, and you had, uh, Radio personalities on there, and, Try, and you, you had guys like me trying to read yeah, the handwritten like, note cards, yeah. and you never knew exactly what what is that word exactly. That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it was it had a charm to it, and I think progressively over the years. In fact, until a, a couple of years ago, we I finally was saying to another guy, you know, everything's on a computer screen now. They've dropped all the all that they're just trying to rush through the boards, right? And to make more money, 
and unfortunately they lost money. Yeah, yeah, and and, yeah. and had a lot of work. So are you going to miss it? Yeah, I think I missed the old days. Yeah, oh, right. I don't know if I'm going to miss this, but right. I still like to tune in sometimes. Yeah, well, I, I would Maybe find my fifty years. Yeah, no, right. I mean, think, I mean, I would find myself. If, if I'm if I'm doing that channel surfing back when they would run it now I, I would I would I make it must see viewing no but I mean I admit I probably missed it in May but I mean there would be times over the last few years that if I'm doing kind of down channel surfing oh a great TV auction I'd sit and I'd watch it for a couple minutes I, I never bought anything there sorry but I mean I I, did, I just never did um, and so again this I think this is going to be one of the things just. You know, like like so many other things in Milwaukee that have been institutions, but end up you know disappearing. Tom in Greenfield. Hi, Tom. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff. I used to work that. Okay. I enjoyed that because we had a, a good crew of people when it was out in Brookfield there for the for the period of time and stuff like that. But when uh, MAT t- uh, took it over there, they got some outsider in that to bring it downtown. Um, we all decided that we weren't going to volunteer anymore and everything else, and you can see the last couple of years that they've lost money and stuff like that. But, Jeff, it was fun because we had a core of volunteers and people that really wanted to do it and enjoyed it, uh, came out back from uh, year to year, had had young people even uh, man, uh, manning the phones and um, mm-hmm. older people and different groups and everything else. And sorry that you didn't buy anything, Jeff, but, uh, <laughs> but it was it was fun. It was it was something that you wanted to volunteer for because you enjoyed doing it. You know, it's just like you do uh, the cream pops. And all right, yeah, stuff. I enjoy doing that. I do, yeah. yeah. You know, and that's that's the difference of, uh, no. you know, of that type of nature. Well, Tom, thank, I mean, thank, and thanks for volunteering. So, and, and that's, I mean, and that's why when we're talking about this, I don't want anybody to interpret that this is a knock on PBS or it's a knock on all the volunteers who worked really hard. It's just... I understand why they're doing this, and it's because you you just you, you gotta. Sometimes you have to move on, and just because something's been around for fifty years, that doesn't mean you can't think of new things. And certainly, when you're doing fundraising, if you're taking all the time and effort, and you're losing tens of thousands of dollars, you can't keep doing that. Cassie and Muskego, Cassie, you're on WTMJ. Hello, um, I agree with all the previous callers. Um, I was very close to some of the volunteers down there. They said when they moved it from Townsend down to MATC, the intention was to kill it, and that is what they did. Um, the management that moved it was not interested in having the auction, and that is why things happened the way they did. Why do you and think that, that was? Why, I mean, why do you think that was? Because the, the idea was to do some other kind of more sophisticated fundraising than the great TV auction. Got it. And it has nothing to do with the volunteers because they were dedicated, they were loyal, but putting it downtown killed it because people aren't going to go down there to pick up items. Where are the volunteers supposed to park? It was a wonderful experience to have it over on Townsend. And the person who decided to sell the building and take it downtown had no intention of keeping it going, and so it died. Got it. it was killed. Thanks for persp- and, it, oh. and it's a shame because it was a wonderful experience. No, yeah, and and it was. I mean, thanks for call. I mean, you know, and I, I guess we can go back and you can kind of do the postmortems and figure that out. But it, it was it was a wonderful part of Wisconsin's history, and and I think I'm sure there will be some people that miss it. But again, that that happens with a lot of stuff. It's why 
I, I talk about things being fragile, and we always assume that just because something's always been here, that means it's always going to be here. I mean, that, that's the conversation we have about Summerfest. We have it about State Fair. We have it about other institutions. I always think back about the golf tournament that we used to have, the greater – I know it is the Greater Milwaukee Open. That's what I think most of us do, the GMO. But it had other names, U.S. Bank Open or whatever. Well, that that ran for you know decades. And then finally, people stopped coming, and U.S. Bank was a sponsor. And they'd say, hey, we put all this money into it, and nobody, almost nobody showed up. And so, you know, we're not going to do it anymore. It's institutions are, in fact, fragile. And when they disappear, you shouldn't be surprised. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. For everybody out there who says, oh, we, we, we're putting too many people in prison, we, we've got to do something about mass incarceration, my response is, as long as there are people like Antonio Bratcher in the world, thank God we have prisons. Okay, Antonio Bratcher is the guy who is now accused of murdering the three-year-old girl in the incident of road rage. If this, If you haven't been following this story, last Saturday morning, 8 30 what happens is apparently there bratcher's driving antonio bratcher is driving this car that belongs i guess to his girlfriend or something and it appears that there's some sort of dust up i don't know if he gets cut off or he cuts off somebody or whatever but he apparently becomes enraged i assume because somebody did something to him what happens is he then starts driving after this car that cut him off or whatever, pulls out a handgun and starts firing shots, multiple shots at at the back of the car that cut him off. This is, by the way, 830 on a Saturday morning. So um, car's back window shatters. There's a bullet hole in the car's trunk. There's a strike near the gas cap cover, etc., etc. And one of the people in the back seat of the car is a three-year-old girl who is hit and killed. Hmm. All right. Bratcher then ends up driving off. And what happens is he drives off. The police start looking for this vehicle. They find him. He then takes off going 70-plus miles an hour, running through stop signs, trying to get away. This is all a little bit later Saturday morning. He crashes the SUV on North 26th Street. He gets out of the car, tries to flee on foot. Police also ultimately find him hiding under a, a front porch at a house near the crash seat. One crash site, they find him. He tries to flee again. He's caught and he's ultimately arrested. Now, as I said when we were talking about the story the other day, I, I guess it's possible that Antonio Bratcher, now we know his name, woke up last Saturday morning and said, hey, today's the day I'm going to take a gun and I'm going to drive around and I'm going to have the gun on my lap and as soon as somebody cuts me off, I'm going to get angry and I'm going to start shooting at it. And I guess that's possible, but my guess was that this was not his first time at the rodeo and, of course, it's not. Antonio Bratcher is a career criminal and a complete and total thug. Now, my guess is we don't know this because in Wisconsin, juvenile records are sealed. We, we can't we don't know what somebody did before they hit the age of 18. My guess is that Antonio Bratcher had several contacts with the criminal justice system before he turned 18. But regardless, we do know that in 1998, so we're going back, you know, 20 plus years, he was convicted 
of armed robberies of two restaurants got eight years in prison. And the reason I, I say my guess is there's a juvenile record because oh, I say all of a sudden you, you, you just don't wake up one morning at the age of 18 or 19 and say, hey, today's the day I'm going to take a gun and I'm going to walk in. I'm going to hold up restaurants. Normally, there is a progression. So even though I don't have access to his sealed juvenile record, my guess is there was a whole sorts of things leading up to this. So anyhow, he, he gets convicted Armed robbery gets sent to jail for a number of years. 2008, 2000, uh, yeah, um, 2006, after he's released, he's charged with shooting a man in a chest outside of a Milwaukee tavern. All right? The victim, however, uh, apparently decides that he's afraid of Bratcher, that would be my guess, and he refuses to come to court to testify. So that charge is dismissed. So here you have this guy not allowed to have a firearm, um, just out of the pen. He ends up shooting a guy in the chest, but the witness refuses to cooperate. In 2008, a guy files a restraining order against him, saying that Bratcher beat, kicked, and stomped him before forcing him to strip and robbing him. A judge granted a four-year restraining order. Now, let me let me go back for a second here. All right. This is 2008. He's just gotten out of prison. When, when you have somebody like this, what what are you doing not issuing criminal charges against him? Or if he's still on some sort of probation or parole, why aren't you trying to revoke that? Why do we continue to allow these these obviously dangerous people? I mean, I'm just giving you a perspective. As, as I'm a prosecutor, and I see this character. Okay, you've got somebody who... Let's even put aside a juvenile record. All right, armed robbery, does a bunch of years, gets out, shoots somebody in the chest, even though he's not not convicted of it because the witness doesn't show up for whatever reasons, and then damn near beats somebody to death before robbing him. All right, what's this issuing a restraining order against him? He belongs in jail. And so then, you know, there's a story in the paper today. They track down, you know, the guy's, one of his girlfriends or ex-girlfriend, and she talks about how she's got a restraining order against him. She talks about, yeah, he he had guns, and yes, he you know would take my car without my permission, and he cracked it up once or twice, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I saw him drive in all these erratic fashions and things like that. He would blow through stop signs. He would blow through you know red lights when I would try to like get him to stop driving like a maniac. He would punch me and slap me. You know, um, all these different types of things. And and I guess the whole pattern of this is that you have somebody who is completely and totally out of control. You know, I, this isn't something I want to hear the police or the mayor or the county executive or some state representative talk about how, well, this shows why we need, you know, more gun rules or things like that. No, the guy was a convicted felon. He, he wasn't allowed to legally have a firearm. He had a firearm and he was willing to use it. My guess is he's had a firearm for the last 10 years and the laws against that, you know, weren't, weren't put in place to, weren't put in place to stop him. And, and the result of all this, one contact after another after another is now a three-year-old girl is dead. And, and yes, hopefully this time will Antonio Bratcher go to prison and stay in prison for the rest of his natural life, which then makes the rest of us safer. But I guess my problem is there's a lot of people like this that are out there. 
And whenever I hear these people talk about, well, we've got too many people in the prison system. We need to figure out ways to get people on early release, and we need to get people out of the prison system. No, that's exactly the problem. The people that are in the prison system, by and large, they deserve to be in the prison system. I say this repeatedly. you got to work to get yourself sent to prison in this country in general and in Wisconsin in particular. Judges don't want to do it. They recognize that you've got prison overcrowding. They recognize that there's this huge pressure to find alternatives to incarceration. If you're in prison, it's because you deserve to be in prison. It's because you have done something so bad that the only alternative is to get you off the street or, and sometimes and, you've just been a repeat criminal. You keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, and all these other alternatives don't work. But the thing that should scare us all are that there's people like Antonio Bratcher that's out there. You talk to the cops, and they will tell you correctly that the vast amount of crime is committed by a very small percentage of defendants. Five to ten, five to ten percent of the criminals commit most of the crime. They're repeat offenders. They're dangerous offenders. Look, in, in this case, I don't know that I can point to a particular judge or a particular decision where the ball was dropped, but clearly this was a guy that did not belong on the streets. He was a danger. And it's unfortunate that his you know, girlfriend didn't come forward more aggressively and say, you know, this guy's got guns. He doesn't belong here. But I understand. That's a burden to put on somebody, especially when you're dealing with somebody who sounds like a thug like this and is dangerous and you're not sure whether the system is going to be able to protect you or not. That's a big burden to put on, for example, a, a girlfriend or a spouse or something like that. You'd like them to come forward, but you can't criticize them for not. But this idea of giving people who have demonstrated that they are dangerous second and third and fourth chances, you know, gee, okay, you're an armed robber, you get out of jail, you shoot somebody in the chest. Okay, well, we're going to drop those charges. All right, the victim doesn't show up. Maybe you can find a way to get him for being a felon in possession of a gun. Do whatever you can to get him off the street. Then two years later, you beat somebody within an inch of their life. Okay, well, we're going to issue a restraining order telling him not to do it again. What does that mean? What do you mean a restraining order telling him not to do it again? The guy is a menace. Get him the heck off the streets. Make the rest of us safe. And I don't have an answer. I really don't other than this direction that some politicians are trying to take us nowadays with the let's try to find alternatives to incarceration and let's sing kumbaya and let's be touchy-feely. All right, that, maybe that works for some people, but for the Antonio Bratchers of the world, it doesn't. They're dangerous, and unless we get them off the streets sooner or later, they're going to repeat, and they're going to hurt people, and they're going to kill people, period. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. So you should read these tweets sometimes if you, if you want to understand the world we live in. So I'm talking about this guy, lengthy criminal record, who murders a three-year-old girl in an incident of road rage. Here's the tweet. Uh, okay, let's see. It just, it just moved on me. As long as Trump is free... So should everybody else be free. <laughs> okay. I, I don't, I, I just, I, I sometimes I walk out of here and I just don't exactly know what to say. It's like, all right. So that, that, that Trump, as long as Trump is, as long as he's free, my gosh, you should be able to murder three year old girls. 
And the thing is, I don't think that these people, I don't think the people that are sending this, obviously sitting in their parents' basement somewhere or whatever, I don't think that they're kidding. I mean, it's like, okay, fine. Now, speaking of the president, we've managed to go through most of the show because I really, I don't have any extra insight to add to this latest example. I, in, in one respect, I think the Democrats have now played into Donald Trump's hands. And that is, he had, by the reaction to his remarks, send them back to where they came from which, as I said a couple days ago, I think is completely and totally inappropriate, and I think it's beneath the president to have said that. But now, because of all this outrage, and and, and the truth is, I think the outrage, and this happens with Donald Trump, and I'm not defending what he said. I've been critical of that. But the outrage has been, in my opinion, so disproportionate. Now what's happened is you've, in some cases, galvanized support for Trump. But more importantly, what what this outrage has allowed has allowed Trump to do is now moving forward in this campaign, at least for the time being, the face of the Democratic Party is becoming the quote unquote squad. And, and let me tell you something. That's not where mainstream Democrats want to be. It, it's just it, it's just not. You don't want to be identified with the, you know, Alexandria Ortez Cortezes of the world. And you don't want to be you know, identified with Ilhan Omar, who is just a, a raging anti-Semite. I mean, that should Trump have said what he said about her? No, I don't, I don't think so. But they've now, the Democrats have now embraced them, and they, they've made them the face of the Democratic Party. And in my opinion, that, again, just politically, that's not where you want to be. So anyhow, the latest development is... Last night at a rally in Greenville, North Carolina, you have a number of, you know, the president is commenting on this whole controversy and flap, etc. And you have a number of people in the crowd, just like, and I will say this, I used to cringe when, you know, back in 2016 or even subsequently, you know, when they were talking about Hillary Clinton, that the crowd would chant, you know, lock her up. I just, I... I thought that was beneath us. I, I did. So last night, the crowd says, you know, send her back, send her back. Uh, again, a, a reference to one of the congresswomen. And, I, you know, I had the same reaction to that as I had, you know, with the Hillary Clinton chant, which was, you know, really, people, yeah, we, we have to be above this kind of stuff. Now, like I say, Ilhan Omar, the, the, the representative from Minnesota, I think she's a kook. And I think she's an anti-Semite. And I think, you know, on her policy issues, you if you're a Democrat, you don't want her to be the face of your party, just like you don't want AOC or other members of the quote unquote squad to be the face of your party. If that's what you allow hap- to happen, you know, Trump's going to win and he's going to win big, you know, in 2020 at the same time. At the same time, when people are at this rallies and I understand that President Trump's great at whipping up crowds. The sender back stuff, it was just, it was unnecessary, and it, it's it's beneath us. And I guess, you know, moving forward, and I would say this to people on the left and on the right, but my particular remarks are directed at folks who go attend President Trump rallies in the future. Okay, yeah, there's all sorts of chants that you can have that, that might sound great, etc., but the, the send her back, it's beneath you. 
It, it just it just is. And interestingly enough, I see President Trump. He's now disavowing that chant as well. He says, I was not happy with it. I disagree with it. But again, I didn't say it. They did. But I disagree with it. He said he started speaking very quickly in an attempt to silence the rally attendees. It was quite a chant. I felt a little bit badly about it. Yeah, that's uh, yes. And, and he should. We, we can have a great dialogue and we can certainly, you know, have a no holds barred election. But you don't need that. And so whenever the next rally is, I think it's coming up in a week or so. All right. You know, bring the Make America Great hats again if you want and applaud at all the lines and kind of roar when he makes fun of the fake news media, if that's what you're all about. But the, the send her back chant, I, I think leave that one. Leave it alone. That would be my advice. This is Jeff Wagner.